Amen. Boy, that was good, wasn't it? That roaring and carrying on. That don't seem as radical to me as it used to. Does it seem radical to you anymore? I mean, to me, it's like, oh, that's what you do. You're supposed to do that. You're supposed to roar. When we used to, when we first started roaring, it seemed like, man, that's that's pretty radical, you know. But it's it's really strange how things sort of become relative to you, isn't it? Now, if you were in a, from a traditional church or a more soothing church background, that roaring thing would be hard for you to deal with in church, right? You know, I mean, like, gosh, what's wrong with these people roaring in church? You know, <laughs> but the Lord's ruined my voice many times. <laughs> I didn't hurt it this morning for some reason. Usually when I do that, it just rips it. Uh, but And I yelled really hard as I could this morning because I believe God is really looking to do something in this nation, in our families. And I think, I think men, if men will stand up, God will, God will really respond to their hearts. Amen. Oh, thank you, Lord. Isn't the Lord good? All right, so I'm thinking that I'm talking to you. Last Sunday was really good. How many people, anybody not here last Sunday and hear the message? Go online, get the message. Because Randall Worley was here, and the name of the message is Drinking from a Fire Hose, which he didn't even talk about that. About drink, but literally, that's what that message was. It was just so much revelation coming. Like, I get a little drink here, a little drink there. You know, it was really great. And he has a, such an awesome, different perspective on stuff, on scriptures. That's what I really, I love that different stuff because it really challenges you, like, well, what do you believe about that? What, you know, and it really causes you to dig into God and, you know, find, you know, find what the Lord's really saying. So that was really great. And, Anyways, uh, I was going to talk to you this morning about Ephesians 4, um, chapter 17. So, I'm going to try to do this really quick. I'm going to try to paint this picture for your mind, because I didn't... I did, actually, last time I did the first part of this message, so I'm doing two parts at one time, but I'm going to do this first part real quick. Um... You know, the, the book of Ephesians, it really is the, the blueprint, okay? It's the blueprint for the church. It's the blueprint for Christianity. It's the blueprint for God's, for the kingdom coming on earth. That's really the, the book. It's the blueprint. So when you open the book, when I open that book and look at Ephesians, that's what I see. I see blueprints. And so these beautiful blueprints really give us the picture of what God wants to build and what God wants to do in our lives. Um, if you've ever built a house, uh, there's these wonderful blueprints that have these views of the house. And, and everybody looks at the view of the house. Like we look at the front view of the house, the, what it looks like, and, and the windows and the doors and all that stuff. And then the side views. And then there's the floor plan, the layout of the house, right? And so those are the things that we're really interested in looking at. Uh, but then we just sort of forget there's other plans on these drawings, on these architectural drawings, uh, they're construction details is what they are. And those details are given on actually how to build the house and how to do certain things, build certain things. And if, if the guy doesn't build according to those details, you could have some very big problems uh, with your house, okay? And... So the details are really important, although to us, we don't care about details, right? Who could care about I mean, we could care less about construction details. But you would care if you move into your house if the guy did not install your sewer line properly, which is what happened to me. 
Okay, my plumber did not install my sewer line proper. He didn't have the proper hangers. He didn't have the proper angle on the sewer line. And guess what happened? One day we were out cooking out in the grill, and we smelt raw sewage. I thought some animal crawled up under the deck and died, so I didn't really worry about it. But the smell lingered, and I crawled up under the house, and guess what I discovered? I discovered a pool of raw sewer under the cross base of my house. And I discovered the reason it was was because that line wasn't installed properly and it worked itself loose. And every time we flushed the commode, instead of going to the accepted tank, it went on the ground. And over a period of who knows. But guess who got to crawl under the house with a bucket? No, I can't. My kids, my kids were gone. I don't even know what happened to them. They left home. They went to camp or somewhere. They were nowhere to be found. Nobody was. But I mean, I hate crawling under the, a house anyway. I mean, to me, changing the water filter is like crawling under and look and take something and sweep across the, get all the spider webs. Well, I spent a whole day crawling under the house with a bucket with these chemical gloves on that I went and bought, dipping, walking out, going to the woods and dumping it. And going back under, okay? You know, there's all kind. Of, just imagine, you know, let me just put this this way. Anytime you're dipping and toilet paper's involved in it, it's not a good day. <laughs> it's really not. So, so, so Paul, when he's writing Ephesians, it's, it's glorious. It's glorious. And he gives us these glorious prayers to pray to come into this glorious picture that God wants to build. And he does most of that for three, almost four chapters. Uh, and then all of a sudden, he, it's like he shifts gears all of a sudden. And he starts talking about details of your life. He starts talking about these details that if you don't get these things right in your life, you're going to have some doo-doo to clean up. Okay? And you're not going to be happy. One of the things that we had to happen, another thing we had to happen, amongst many things, is I don't know who installed my washer and dryer, but one day my washer broke, and I went to get it out, and I realized I can't get my washer and dryer out. There's not enough space in the doorway to pull them out. So we had to take the 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 what do you call that thing you put stuff on? A shelf. We had to take the shelf. Yeah. I see. Literally. We had to take the shelving down, pick the dryer straight up, move it over, and walk backwards and sit down on the floor to put, then pick the washer up, move it over to get it out. That was an unhappy day for me. And I had to get a carpenter to come in there and redo that thing, because I know one day it'll happen again. And you know what happens when you take a wall down? You have a floor to deal with. You have a ceiling to deal with. You got, you know what I'm saying? So really what, I'm just trying to get you to get this picture that what we do with our lives and how we build, if we don't take care of these details, they're going to bite us. And they're going to cost us. And so Paul covers some details. And I'm going to tell you what they are, and then I'm going to tell you how he approaches them, because they're in here. First of all, there's emotions, in particular, the emotion of anger. The emotion, that's in Ephesians 4, 26. 
how we deal with the emotion of anger. The second one is money. Uh, Ephesians 4.28 where he talks about handling money. The third one is communications. Uh, Ephesians 4.29, how we communicate to each other. What we say with our mouth is very important. The fourth one, y'all are going to love this one, sexuality. Y'all love that one, right? Well, if you don't, I'm sorry. I do. I'm just being honest with you. But it's kind of important how you handle your thoughts about sexuality, you know, and how you handle that subject in, in general. It's, that's in five, uh, Ephesians 5, 3. And the other one is time, uh, Ephesians 5, 16. See, all these are like the detail sheets on the construction details. Like these are the details of our lives. And if we're not careful, those details will, will, can take us out. Now, now, listen to this. Let me read that scripture a little bit here. Um, Ephesians 4, um, this I say, and therefore, 417, I, I testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind. Now, the word walk is important because walking is everyday common thing, right? That's something we do. In other words, no parent on this earth is worried about when their little Baby grows. When is the baby going to start running? When is the baby going to start jumping? Right? That's not a thought of ours. We think about when's the baby going to start walking. That's what's important because if it, if it can walk, it can run, it can jump. Well, in our spiritual lives, walking is every day. It's our lives. It's how we live our lives. Running and jumping is all the other good stuff. You know, it's God using you. It's the power of God. It's, it's, you know, when God comes on you. But Paul's saying, you know, if you don't get the walk down, how are you ever going to run? How are you ever going to jump? You know? And so he's saying, and, and these things I just mentioned, those five things, are all the important parts of your everyday walk. How you spend your money is a big part of your everyday walk as a believer. How, it, when, you, when, when you get upset, how you deal with that? It's really important. And so God really wants to help us that we don't build a house and it's not built according to the plan. And it causes a lot of difficulty and pain in our lives. Amen? So that's really how he begins to address this thing. And he says uh, in verse 18, having their, uh, walking in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. I got one more minute. How many people ever talk about, watch that show? God, where's Becky at when I need a Homes on homes. Don't y'all love that? Well, that's what I'm, homes on homes. That's a Canadian thing. But this is a guy who goes in these houses and they have home. What's that, HDTV? Anybody watch that? Oh, gosh. That's the only channel allowed in my house. I can't watch nothing. No, I'm watching this home. You know, there's a realtor shows. And I mean, I've become an expert on house inspection because I've watched that show so many times and watched what to look for. And that's what the show's all about. It's about a guy who goes into these homes that they got issues with, and he finds out what the problems are. And he, then he comes up with a fix. And they go through the show, whole show goes through fixing. That sounds interesting, doesn't it? Well, it is kind of interesting, actually. It's kind of fascinating. Anyways, if you want to know what I'm talking about this morning, go watch that show if you never had a problem in your house. You'll know exactly what I'm talking about. So, uh, you know, 
but the way Paul, see, here's what we do, okay? This is really what we do. Let's just say, take for instance the, the communication thing, how we speak. To, here's how we want to do it. We want to go talk to people about how, how are you talking? You ain't talking right. You ain't saying things right. You know, and, and tell this person all this thing they're doing wrong. And, oh, God, I'm sorry. I, you know, I need to quit talking like that. I need to change the way I talk. And guess what happens? The, the, more, the next day, they're doing the same thing again. They're saying, talking bad again. Because Paul realized, you know, if, if we just try to address the outward with a person, their outward behavior, the outward actions, it's not going to fix anything. So before he even gets into talking about your anger problems, he wants to talk about your, your heart. That's really what he wants to go after. Because Paul knew, if, just like Jesus knew, if I can get your heart, and if I can get into your heart and get your heart in the right place, all that other stuff will take care of itself. It will fix itself. Because it's really, Jesus, Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Right? So Jesus don't really go after people's behaviors. He really goes after their heart. And you'll just see that over and over and over in the, in the Bible. Mommy. <laughs> That's great, isn't it? No kid wants their daddy when they're in difficulties. Because <laughs> they know that daddies are like, yeah, come on, you know, deal with it. We don't have time for this. Where mom's like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> but this is when kids do want their daddies. Like, dad... Uh, Mom, I need something, you know, I need to borrow the keys to the car. Mama's like, no, no, not here. Dad said I could, Mom. Dads are a lot more lenient as they get older. At least I was. My kids always knew they could get anything out of me. But they didn't get a lot of comforting, mothering things out of me. Like, it's going to be okay. It's like, oh, you'll be all right. You'll be fine. Just come on. All right, anyways... I'm just off subject so bad. I'm sorry. I'm just doing bad. Here's what I want to... Listen, I want to tell you this. I live a lot of my Christian life not living out of my heart. Okay? A lot of my Christian life. And because I didn't, I had, I had too many struggles. Okay? I just struggled a lot with my whole... With everything. And my Christian life was, ha- was haphazard. It was on and off, on and off. And it was just a struggle. But I discovered once I dialed into a heart... Living out of my heart. Once I discovered that, that's when I really began to discover to live how the, how the Bible describes to live, how, what, what it's supposed to be. Okay? So I became really interested in, in the heart, and, and from that, that led me to an interest in the mind. Because in the Bible, the heart and mind are connected. And actually, many times when the Bible's talking about the mind, it's talking about the mind of the heart not your organic brain up here. Many times, that's what it's talking about. It's talking about the heart that's here inside of us the, because there's a mind inside of here. And I think I've talked to you all. I, I, most people have heard that. That's been scientifically proven, blah, blah, blah. And I was just talking to somebody uh, yes, the other day, and they were telling me their disappointments with their church because their preacher basically preaches the same thing over and over and over. And they were saying, I've already heard that. And so I'm thinking, do I do that? Because <laughs> I feel like in my mind I think about the same stuff over and over and over. You can only preach so much stuff. You only have so much revelation. So you're always like looking for different views of that revelation. This right here really gives a lot of good information on your heart. 
This is where Paul really explains a lot about the heart. So I'm going to give you some, some definitions. I'm going to get going here, okay? All right. Thank you, Lord. Uh, he says uh, the word futility. I just want to define that for you. Futility means void of truth and appropriateness. In other words, Paul was saying don't walk, don't walk in your life void of truth and appropriateness like you used to. Because before you became a believer, you had no truth in, in you. You had no truth in your heart. You had no truth in your mind. And basically, that's what futility is biblically. And it's not an appropriate way to live. That's, that's basically what he was saying. And so, and then the mind there, futility of their mind, in, in the Bible, the thing that's tricky about the mind is it, the Bible uses lots of different words in the original language that most of the time it's, it's thoughts, understanding, or mind. And it could mean varied things. But this word for mind here means your overall mind. That includes your logic, your reasoning, your imagination, your emotions. Okay? And it's just like your mind, your mindset, the general mind there. So Paul was saying here that people, can, you, can, you can have this futility overall in your mind. Where you are, you're not living, you're not thinking you're not reasoning right. You're not imagining right. You ha- your emotions are not right. All of it's off. It's all of it's wrong. Okay? That's really what he was saying there. And, 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 and so that's really how we have to really understand this. Okay? So, and then he says, are y'all following me so far? Having their understanding darkened. Okay? Now that word understanding there means dianoia. And that means the part of your mind that sees, that's, the, that's your imagination. Literally, that is where your imagination is. That's the part of your mind. And Paul specifically pointed out right here that that's the part of us that gets darkened. That's also the part of us that Paul prays that the eyes of your heart, it's the same thing there, would be opened. So you've really, you got to really understand that this is that part of your brain is critical because when that's where darkness begins in a person and ends in a person. Is if that part of your mind is darkened, the rest of your mind is going to become darkened. Your reasoning, your intellect, your emotions, and everything is going to be darkened if, if your imagination is darkened. Okay? Because that's what, if we wouldn't have that prayer, okay, we would not have a prayer that says we need that part of our mind open to see. We need to get the darkness off of that part of our mind. That's why Paul prayed that prayer in Ephesians 1. Now, that's why that's such a critical thing for us. Because if that's darkened, then it's, he says it right here. Uh, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God. If that is darkened, that cuts you off from the life of God. That cuts you off from the spiritual world. Because that's the part of us that really can see into the spiritual world and connect with the spiritual world. Does that excite you? That really excites me. Because then I know the part of me that if I want to connect into the spiritual world, I know the part of me I have to go after. I have to go after my dianoia. I have to go after my imagination. Anybody got a bad imagination in here? Ann does. Me and Ann. Me and Ann have a bad And Isaac. Everybody else has got good. Well, I'm just telling you, that's really what we've got to go after is getting that, getting light on that, getting that part of our mind renewed. The rest of it follows. Okay? It's pretty interesting, isn't it? Because then the next thing it says, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God, because of the ignorance that is in them. The ignorance. See, a darkened 
Dianoia leads to ignorance. It leads to ignorance. Now, you can have, there's brilliant people out there that are f- brilliant people. But in the, tr- the truth is, is they lack true reality in their life. Okay? You can, be, you can be brilliant about a lot of things, but not have reality about anything. And that's what he was saying. There's this ignorance that come on people. And so a lot of people can be just spiritually just ignorant. And if you're spiritually ignorant, you're ignorant. That's, that's really the truth. Does that, does that make sense? You're, there's no true knowledge in you. Okay, let me go on. Because the ignorance in, that is in them, because it's going down, of the blindness of their heart. Everybody say blindness of the heart. And literally that word blindness there is better translated hardness. Okay? Because the, the Greek word there means it's the type of stone that they used to, to uh, indicate hardness. And so a, a hard heart, let me just say this, a hard heart, a bottom line, is, is, is the bottom line issue for us as believers. It's, it's, it's the, the thing that really has to be gotten to in us. Because that's the thing that really is going to affect your life, period, is the condition of your heart. Okay, that's why in Proverbs it says, guard your heart, because out of it comes all the issues of life. You know, that's why Jesus said, it's not what comes into a man that defiles him, it's what comes out of a man that defiles him. Because out, out, of, out of a person's heart comes murders, covetousness, you know, all this other stuff. So Jesus was really big on the heart. And you and I should really be big on the heart. So Paul was saying, listen, I'm not going to go and try to fix you in your marriage without going and fixing your heart first. Because I believe if I can get your heart right, then your marriage will become right. That's really, that's really the biblical way. That's the biblical way for everything. And we spend so much time trying to fix things on the outside, and, neglect, and it's going to always go back to, to a mess. It's always going to go back because the heart is the real issue. Are y'all following that? Uh, just so I won't forget it, I'm going to not do that right now. I'm going to turn to Mark 8. Are y'all okay? This is important, okay? This really is important. Mark 8 uh, is, is this, uh, when the disciples... This is when Jesus really addressed hardness of heart with his disciples. Okay? And what had happened, this is what happened. Jesus, this is crazy. How, and Jesus would always seem to get them about their heart when he had them trapped. He would trap them on a boat in the middle of the water. And, and you know, he'd get them out of their trap where they couldn't escape, and then he'd go after their heart. And so that's sort of how God has to go after us. But what had happened, Jesus had, had done these miracles. Okay? And said, let's get in the boat. Get, let's get in the boat. This is all in Mark 8. And let's, you know, let's take off in the boat. And they went to this other place, and the Pharisees were there, and they saw Jesus and immediately tried to start this argument with Jesus. And sometimes Jesus would argue back with them. But this time he wouldn't do it. This time it's like, nah. And he got back in the boat. So sometimes God will give you the right words to say for people who are coming against you. Sometimes it's just best to jump back in your boat and head back out. Get away from them, in other words. There's no use in, don't have this discussion today. That's what, he, that's what he did. So, you know, he jumped back in the boat, and he started talking to us. They was out there in the middle of the water, and he started talking to his disciples about religion, the leaven of the Pharisees. Okay? He's talking to them about it, and they're sitting over there like, ah, oh, Jesus is mad because we didn't bring lunch. He's upset about this. And he's talking to them about religion. They're thinking, he's hungry. We forgot to bring lunch. And he's really irritated with us. 
And, but they weren't saying that to him. They were just having that conversation amongst yourself. It says this in verse 16, uh, And they reasoned among themselves, saying, It is because we have no bread. Now, that's just sort of how human thinking. Okay, but Jesus being aware. See, Jesus wasn't in the middle of the conversation, but he was aware of it. He picked up on it. Okay, that's what, what was going on. He was, he, was, he was discerning what was happening with them. Okay, he didn't have to be right in the middle of it. He said, why do you reason because you have no bread? Okay, do you not? Now, this, these, these are the symptoms of hard-heartness. That's what he begins to describe. Everybody in this room, when you, if you get sick and you go to a doctor, the doctor's going to ask you questions, right? Why are you here? What's wrong with you? Oh, I got a sore throat. How long you had a sore throat? Is it sore on both sides? Do you have a fever? Your blood pressure. So what they're doing is trying to diagnose what is wrong with you. You know, because it may be something besides, a, you know, just swollen glands. It may be something more. So they're trying to diagnose what's wrong with you. So what the Lord gave us here in this story is the ability to diagnose our own hearts. Because here's the truth. I promise you, as much as I'm standing here, there's people sitting here in this room that have hard hearts. I promise you. In fact... I know for sure that part of my heart's hard right now. I have a hunch that most of your heart, there's places in your hearts, because many times our hearts are hard and we don't even know it. See, they didn't understand that they had hard hearts. They wasn't in reality about the condition of their own heart. And see, so what the Lord was trying to do is explain to them, you got this hard heart. So he gave five symptoms, okay, of a hard heart. This is really how we can really diagnose our lives and really understand what's going on with us. First of all is, do you, is the, not, the ability not to perceive, which means to connect with the spiritual world, to understand there's something spiritual going on around you and not be there to perceive it. Okay, that's really, really important because most people have no perception of anything spiritual. In fact, most people, even when they come to church, they don't have anything. They can't perceive anything spiritual going on in the church. To them, everything is what's here, what they can see and feel and that's really a limited way. You know, that's limited. That's, that's really not, that's ridiculous, really, right? I mean, we don't want to be stuck just in this world, what's happening in this world. Jesus has given us the ability to check in with the spiritual world, to sense the spiritual world, to discern what's happening in the spirit. Yes? Are y'all, are y'all into this? All right, so that's the first thing is not, so uh, let me ask you a question. Are you able to perceive what's going on around you spiritually? If your answer is no, then you have a hard heart. That's, that's the truth. You, you, that's what you need to face about yourself. Because that's what Jesus is. You're not able to perceive. Okay? And then he goes to the next level, nor understand. See, some people can perceive something. Oh, I feel the presence of the Lord. Oh, that feels good. But they have no understanding about what the Lord is doing. Okay? There's no understanding with it. So it doesn't do you any good other than just have a good experience with the Lord. I had a great experience in worship. I felt God touched me. What was he doing? He wasn't just doing something for nothing. He wants us to understand what he's doing. And he's given us the ability to understand. That's the great thing about it. He's given us the ability to do this. Are you all okay? I think some people didn't like what I just said. I could tell. Some people were offended because, here's why you were offended, because you don't perceive and what I just said to you was an affront to you. But here's what I'm telling you. Let's be affronted by what Jesus is saying. Let's let it confront us. 
That's the point. Be confronted. Lord, I don't perceive. I'm messed up. My heart's hard. And I want something. No, my heart's not hard, Byron. Well, that's what Jesus said. I mean, you know, I mean, that's how we have to really approach this. And if we'll begin to get like that, then something can happen with our hearts. God can work in our, with what we got. All right, then the next thing, because he says, is your heart still hardened? I mean, having eyes, that's the next thing, you can't see spiritually. That's the next thing. You do not see. And having ears, you do not, do not hear. So you can't see spiritually, you can't hear spiritually. That's pretty rough, isn't it? That's a rough day, right, when you're not hearing the Lord speak to you. A lot of people are begging God to, to, to speak to them, which is not how we should be operating. Because he, he is speaking. He's given, that's why he said many times, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Let. Allow it. If you allow it, you can begin. He who has eyes to see, let him see. Okay? Are y'all okay? Y'all ain't looking okay. <laughs> okay? So it's not able to perceive, not able to understand, not able to see, not able to hear, and this is the worst one, not able to remember. Now, this is the truth. How many of us been touched by the Lord? I mean, really touched by the Lord. And then time passed, and you got so far away from that touch that it's like that don't even seem like it was real anymore. You know, and you're in a just jam, and you need God to do something for you, and He's done stuff for you over and over and over in your past, and you keep forgetting. Has anybody, are y'all, are y'all connecting with this? How many times has God pulled me out of the fire? So many times, and then every time I get in the fire again, I'm wondering if He's going to pull me out because I forget. Now, that tells me something's wrong with my heart. That's what that really tells me. My, something's wrong with my heart because I'm not remembering what God did. In fact, I don't even know if that was really real anymore, Lord. That's... You hear what I'm saying to you? So, so those are the five things. And Jesus was, was trying to really address with his thing. Jesus has given everybody in this room five spiritual senses. He's given you spiritual eyes. He's given you spiritual ears. He's given you spiritual touch, taste, and smell. Okay? Everybody has that. That's why he was, would, would scold people about not being there to see. Because he's saying, you've got eyes to see. You're just not seeing. You've got those eyes. That's why Paul prayed. We need to get those eyes open. So we can see. Now, let's, are y'all okay still? All right. Somebody told me to quit asking that question. Here's what somebody told me. They said, Byron, the reason people are not engaging with you is because you're not a preacher. Okay? And people are trying to figure out what you're talking about. <laughs> That's why they're not engaging with you. Well, they didn't really say that. They said they're thinking about what you're saying. They was trying to use Randall as an example. Okay, and make me feel good because Randall was saying all this time. We were looking at Randall like, what? <laughs> what are, you, are you kidding me? I've never thought about that before. It was no time like, yeah, come on. <laughs> you know, I'm just messing. <laughs> all right, hard heart. Mark 6, verse 52. This is what he said. Here's the secret. This is, this is the biblical secret from Jesus. Another situation happens. He feeds the 5,000. He says, get in a boat, we're going to the other side, but he didn't go with them. Okay, that's what happened in Mark 6. Jesus decides later to go. He sees them out there rowing in the middle of the water, and they weren't going nowhere. They weren't making no progress. So Jesus comes walking on the water towards them, and they got scared. They thought it was a ghost. 
they got real. It's a ghost! Have you ever seen a ghost before? You ever been scared before? I mean, they literally thought this ghost was coming towards them, and it scared the you-know-what out of them. And Jesus said, oh, it's okay, it's me, it's just me. Don't worry. And he got in the boat with them. And it says when he got in the boat, the winds, everything stopped, everything settled. Okay, that's really powerful. I love that, don't you? They, they thought they were seeing a ghost. Have you thought about that? Have you ever thought you saw a ghost? You thought you saw something that scared the fire out of you? I've seen some stuff that's scary. It wasn't ghosts. It was like in the spiritual world that scared the daylights out of me. You just like want to go like, ah. You know, it's like your heart jumps up into your throat. And then you kind of can settle down because it's not anything evil. But then he says he got in the boat, the wind ceased, and they were greatly amazed in themselves, beyond measure, and marveled. And then it tells us, for they had not understood about the loaves because their hearts were hardened. They had not understood. Well, if you really look at the way that says, it says they did not uh, consider the loaves and their hearts were hardened. That's what it really means. They did not consider the miracle and their hearts were hardened. This is what he was saying. Is consider means to look upon. It means to study. It means to put a focus on. Okay? That's what it means. It's a mindset. And so what Jesus was telling, what the Bible's telling us, is their hearts got hard because their minds were somewhere else. They, their minds were focused on other things. And it caused their hearts to get hard, and they really couldn't understand what was going on spiritually. So everybody in this room... You're going to have to face where your mind is. Because a lot of people's mind, most Christians' mind, is not on things above. Our minds are consumed with the cares of this life, or the desire for other things, or the deceitfulness of riches. Okay, now that's really what the Bible says. And because of this, it hardens our heart. You know, so many people, they are just consumed with just, you know, the economy or... You know, I mean, I like to look at the stock market every day to see what it's doing, but I'm not being, dis if it goes down, my life is not going down with it. You know, if it goes up, my life's not even going up with it. You know, and I'm really concerned about this Palestinian state, two-state thing they're trying to do in Israel, and, and I'm reading every day what people are saying, the governments are saying about Israel, but I'm not living and dying on that. I'm not being consumed by that. I'm not being consumed by my, my, my job, most of the time, or my lack of job, or my finances. And see, all these things are something I'm lusting after. Going. See, when we begin to set our minds and we begin to, begin to think about those things, and they begin to occupy our thinking, it hardens our heart. Then we feel disconnected from God. And we feel disconnected from the spiritual things that God has. And Jesus was saying, you know, don't consider, don't plant your mind there or here. Plant it there. And, and let that be your thought pattern. You know, if you see something that disturbs you, pray about it. Ask God into that thing or ask God to give you His perspective on it. Because it's going to harden your heart. And then, ultimately, if you allow your heart to be hardened, then your communication is not going to be very nice to people. You're going to be an angry person. Or you might be full of these other thoughts, immoral thoughts. You know? Or you might begin to handle money wrong. You might begin to hoard and get this greedy attitude towards it. You see what I'm saying? And that's why...
Paul was trying to get to people's hearts, and the Lord is trying to get to our hearts all the time. We think God is upset about what we're doing. He may not be happy, but He's really concerned about our hearts, the condition of our hearts. Is your heart hard? That's what He's concerned for, is our heart condition. And He's concerned about all these little details in your life. Okay? But He's really concerned about your heart. And He's really crying out to people about the condition of their heart. And, you, and, and you know, your heart can get hardened over a lot of that. Sin obviously hardens your heart. Bitterness will harden your heart. Complaining will harden your heart. Not being thankful will harden your heart. You know, not you know, look, comparing yourself and wishing you had something you don't, you don't have will harden your heart. See, all those things are, attack our hearts. And when our heart is attacked, then we can't connect with the spiritual world. And this is what Paul said in uh, 2 Corinthians four sixteen through 18. He said this, I don't lose heart because I see the invisible. I am connected into the visible world. And everybody around Paul at that time was losing heart. Everybody was giving up. Everybody was falling down. But he said, I don't lose it because I'm living out of my heart and my heart is seeing into the spiritual world. And that keeps my heart encouraged. That keeps my heart alive. And that's really how God has created us believers to live. Otherwise, I'm just belaboring the point. (laughs) That's the way I feel. But I really want to tell you this this morning. Okay? I don't want you to be fooled. I don't want to be fooled. Okay? About the condition of my heart. Because your heart can be hard, or there's places in your heart that can be hard, and you won't even know they are. But over a period of time, it gets thicker and thicker and thicker, and you get less and less connected with God, less and less connected with God. Because it really doesn't... The devil's not stupid. I mean, he's like, I'm not going to cut you off in a day. You'd know something was wrong one day. You just felt like, oh, I messed up. I've been following in this terrible sin. It's a little step, a little step, a little step, a little step, a little step. And one, then one day you're in it and you wonder, how in the world I wind up here, Lord? You know, and I think what we need to do is ask the Holy Spirit to help us with our heart. Just help us. We need to ask Him, Lord, I, I, you know what, Lord? Tell you the truth. You know, I don't really feel these affections. This is, let me read this to you. Let me just say this. It, one of the things it said there, are y'all okay? It didn't say that. <laughs> it said in verse 19, it says, being past feeling. You know what that means, being past feeling? This is a resort of a hard heart. It means apathetic. It means showing no interest, showing no concern, feelings, or enthusiasm. And that's sort of a sign. It's when we begin to lose the concern, lose the, the feelings. I don't care what anybody says. There's feelings associated with God. He's a feel, touchy-feely kind of guy, you know. And when we begin to lose that, we are in a hard state. You know, you start losing the interest in the things of the Lord. Anyways, I don't want to keep saying all this, but... I think, you know, I think a lot of us have hard hearts. I'll be honest. I'll be honest with you. I think a lot of people in this room have hard hearts. I mean, honestly. I can talk to a person and feel a hard heart. You know? I can see people who have loved God and were, were touched by God. I've seen them withdraw, withdraw, withdraw. That's a hard heart. 
It's a hard heart. That's what it is. And when we get, and we can just quit blaming everybody else, quit blaming whatever. Don't blame your spouse, your children, your job, the economy, the church, the worship team, none of that stuff. When we just quit doing that and come to some reality with ourselves and say, Lord, my heart has gotten hard. I don't know why it did. I don't know when it did even, but something's wrong with me. Something's wrong with me. And I need you to help me. And when we do that with the Lord, He jumps in there with us and wants to help us and begins to touch us and rub on our heart and kiss on our heart and lick on our hearts. He just gets on our hearts and He begins to soften them with His love and His adoration of us. And something starts coming alive again in us. And we start getting woke up. And suddenly the Lord and the things of God seem much more appealing to us than they were. And so, this morning, I want to, if you'll stand up, I want to ask you, this is something between you and God, really, but I want to give you this opportunity between you and God, if you just put your hand on your heart and say, you may say, I ain't thought about this, to tell you the truth, you know, I want to encourage you to become people to live out of your heart. That's one thing. Just to, you to become a person who says, I want to live out of my heart. I want to live out of these passion and these desires that are in there. And God, I want, to, I want you to teach me how to do it. Because I know that's how you created me to do it. And I'm asking today, Father, for those places in my heart that are, that are hard, that you'd soften them that you would pour you'd pour oil on my heart today you know in the bible it talks about wine skins they don't put um, new wine into old wine skins they can take a wine skin and renew a wine skin they can take an old wine skin and make it new and this is how they did it is they dipped it in brine which is salt water and soaked it. And then they would take it out and they would just rub it with oil. And just rub it and rub it and rub it. And that wine skin would become like a brand new wine skin. It was able to stretch again and contain again. And that's what the Lord wants to do for us. He wants us to just, you know, He just wants to just renew our hearts. Just just, Lord, just rub your heart if you'd like to. Like, Lord, just like, God, I'm letting you rub. You know, I heard some salt water this morning over my heart. Man, just rubbing that oil of heaven into my heart. My heart would just soften those calluses, the religious calluses and calluses from working hard for Jesus but not doing what Jesus wanted me to do. Calluses from sin, calluses from bitterness, disappointment. Just rub this wonderful oil of heaven onto my heart and that you are making my heart soft again that you're going to renew my mind to really think right think on the right things and not let things hurt me in my thoughts just let him do that for a minute just receive that just receive Lord doing it right now mm, thank you Lord Lord, we just invite you, Holy Spirit, right now, just to do this for us. 
you have a if you are have an issue with anger, just say, Lord, I got an issue with anger. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Lord. I don't want to be an angry person. Just soften my heart, Lord. If you got an issue with money, just tell him I got issues with money, Lord. I just don't do money right. I don't think about money right. I'm sorry. Forgive me, Lord. Help me. If you got an issue with sexuality, thoughts and stuff that just plague you, just tell the Lord, Lord, I don't really want to think about all that stuff, but I do, and I'm so sorry. I got these lustful thoughts. I'm sorry, Lord. You just tell him I'm sorry. He will do. Lord, I, I got a relation. I got relational problems strong in my life. They're everywhere I go. I got broken relationships. I've got hurt. When I look back on my life, I just got a bunch of hurts. And I'm sorry, Lord. Something's wrong with the way I communicate my heart. Just soften my heart. And Lord, if, if you got, a, if you're a person, you just waste time. And you feel like this time just runs away from you not handling your time and you're not good stewards, just tell them, Lord, I'm not a good steward of time. I get distracted watching television or reading stuff that's just a waste of time, Lord. I don't want to waste this precious time you've given me, Jesus. Just rub that oil in there this morning. Free us, Lord. Free us, Jesus. Just free us. Let us be people who, who have soft, pliable hearts, God able to hear heaven, ever to see heaven, ever to see what you're doing, able to tap into everything that you have for us. The eyes of our heart would be open. We begin to see, Lord, like we've never seen. We begin to hear like we've never heard. We begin to feel like we've never felt. We begin to taste and see that the Lord is good. We begin to smell the fragrance of Christ. Lord, we ask you for that today. I ask you that for every person that's from you would release that to them, Lord. That you would anoint us for this time that we live in. Because we're living in a new day, and we would be anointed for this new day. And you know what? Since it's a new day, this can be your day. Whatever. Paul said, I forgot what was behind. I'm laying hold of what God has for me now. There's a new day. There's a laying hold of some new stuff in the heavenly realm. And whatever it was from yesterday, I think if you want, if you desire this day, this spiritual day we're in, that we've entered into, the dawn has come, that it can be your day. Your life can be awesome. Your dreams can be fulfilled. What better way to come into this new day than with a soft heart towards Jesus Christ? One of the things that we've—I want to dismiss you—but one of the things that we've been seeing lately is more and more of a real healing anointing. People have been getting healed. It's, it's crazy. It's crazy good. You know, when we prayed and prayed for people, they never got healed, and then all of a sudden you start praying for people, and they got—I got healed. It's like almost like really, and so. This morning, I believe we just pull on that healing anointing. If there's anybody in this room sick with anything, I don't care what it is, or if you have a close family member, somebody you love and care about that has ailments, I believe God wants to heal them. So I want to invite you to come up right now for those who may have that. And let's receive.
from this anointing of healing that God's given. Just come up right now. Because I believe I'm believing for this. We're going after it. We're not going to let the anointing get get away from us. We need some people to pray also. Just come on up and just receive the healing virtue of Christ. Receive what the Bible says. By his stripes you are healed. By your stripes you are healed. It's not a question. Let the Lord heal. Lord, we just thank you for your healing. And, the, you know, and the rest of you, you know, you can be dismissed. You can hang around. We need more people out here praying, though. Please come out here and pray.